0: Welcome to the Connected by Care Portal podcast, where a range of perspectives provide insight to the experiences behind the Care Portal request. Let's take a listen.
1: So Arlene, um, you know, in child welfare, and I was in child welfare for my entire life, Right. And sometimes in child welfare, we start thinking that we're the saviors, we're the rescuers, I, you know, that we're removing kids from bad situations. And, and you know, I think church, church members can sometimes feel like that, that too. But, you know, middle class communities and values just don't have all the answers. Um, that there are strengths in every community and we are not the saviors you know that's it. that's just one person that's not us and I love it that you talked about um, treating people with dignity and respect and just recognizing that while we have you know as child welfare or as church members we may have some strengths so do the people that we are serving. And we need to make sure that there is a a walking alongside of a mutual respect um, so so that we are really, um, yeah, treating each other with dignity. So I loved all the words you said, that was great. And on that note, I think that
0: when we find the value and we're able to respect the value, it means so much to the person, right, that we're dealing with, whether that be the child or the parent or whoever's involved of who we're serving. And Jessica, if you could speak to that about the idea that Arlene was talking about of love the child and judging the parent or having assumptions about the community or the neighborhood or the things surrounding the child. And it's hard to say that you truly love the child and not appreciate where they have come from. And so what does that look like in the work that we do when we see a family or we see a parent who is being judged and what is, how does that present in front of us and what can we help um, them with as we walk alongside them?
2: Yeah, it's really like knowing where they come from and appreciating where they come from and not judging that. So like knowing that you can't make their community that they came from in your eyes better because it was already great for them. They already knew everything like they, that was their world and that's their home. Um, And so really just not trying to tell them that we're going to get you someplace better than where you were and you know that all of your past even for like the the mom or the dad like your past was bad and now I'm here to help you make it better because that's just going to make them feel defeated that's going to make them feel like why should I even try if everything I've done in my past isn't worth it and wasn't good enough for you or good enough for my kids because that's where like that's what they feel like that's what they're hearing you say So making sure that you understand that their family had values and that you were there to help them improve on those and like make make those the strength of their family and not just focusing on, you know, what they were doing bad or what you and your eyes think that they were doing bad. So as church community people coming into those homes too, just not focusing on what they did in their past, but focusing on like, I've I've got you this crib. Let me, you know, let me help you put it up in your room where this baby's going to go. Oh, I see you already have a bassinet here, or you already have a great car seat. Like, you know, really knowing that they're doing everything that they can to be able to make this a better situation.
0: And I think another piece too, that we don't often consider when it relates to appreciating the culture or appreciating the, the surroundings, community, family, is really not just checking the box to say, now I've heard that I should appreciate the family. And, oh, let me find out what the values are so I can regurgitate that when I'm with them. But it really is about making an intentional effort to infuse yourself in the family that you're serving. And why not reach out to other people in that same community that reflect the same situation so that you do get a better understanding of where someone is coming from and what they're going through and what it feels like to walk in their shoes. That it might be a good idea to not only help, like, for instance, the black family that you're serving, And then think that's going to give you all the information that you need to know. And now you're competent in the area of black people. (laughs) Like if if you, if you're really wanting to appreciate the culture as a whole, figure out where, you know, is a good place to go visit a black church, right? Like figure out a good place to go to learn more about the black experience, to learn more about the Hispanic experience, to learn more about the poverty experience, that, that the friends and the company that you keep should reflect your intentions of understanding a, a different culture and really trying to show that appreciation because that is something that you now value versus that is something that you're checking off. And it's not
2: just like getting to help that one black family and then you're like cool like I did my good deed like not not having that perspective of like for a white person to come in and like save this community or save this family because I'm the white person and you're a black family that needs help like not having that perspective at all like going in and being able to To understand their culture and understand who they are and how you can you know get on on the same page as them and being able to help them and continue to help out you know other people within their community too and not just coming in like as as somebody outside of their culture coming in to fix things for them because I see I see that a lot and sometimes I think that like we need to kind of remember that We're not coming in to save these people. We're just trying to come in to help them out um, and do it on their level and do it with them, not for them.
1: And I I like that, Jessica, Um, the word that came to my mind when you were just talking is we really need to have an attitude of service, servanthood, and we need to be humble because we don't have all the answers. We need to show humility. Uh, That's the word that came to my mind when you were talking. And and
3: if I may really quickly just add that, um, it's so important to learn of the community that you're entering into, uh, especially when we're talking about disproportionality and disparity across all systems, uh, especially with uh, black people being overrepresented in the child welfare system. because when you think about the average kid in foster care, they go home. Like it's, when I want to say, I think the average age is an eight-year-old, uh, eight-year-old white male. Uh, and so, this eight-year-old white male is going to go home and never go back into the system again. Whereas in the black community, uh, the reason we're so adamant about keeping kids out the system is because once the system touches you, it does not let you go. And so with that. Our experiences in and aging out of and being in foster care include us being even more overrepresented in the children who age out of foster care, because not only do we go into the system once, we tend to have repeat interactions with the system, which really speaks to the fact that the culture has not truly been understood and that there's not very much in reach happening in our communities. So we we bounce in and out the system and then we end up either aging out or we have that generational involvement with child welfare, which, which really speaks volumes to how we systemically are responding to a community that is saying, hey, can you help us out? Like we, 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 we don't mind help. What we don't want though is for you to come in and wag a finger at us and tell us how, how bad off we are and, and how much better things could be if we just do things your way, because that, ha- that demonstrates no respect for our, own humanity, our own culture, our own values and things that matter to us.
2: Yeah. 100%. Like what listeners can't see is, you know, us shaking our heads and nodding in agreement, you know, like we, that is 100% true. Like we, we have to just understand how much like those white kiddos are going home. They're going to either, you know, be placed back with Uh, maybe a family member if they're not going home to bio parents, but more than likely they're going back home to bio parents. And sometimes like I see in my, um, in the work that I used to do with the state, like those black children were continuing to come into the system or getting bounced around from this house to this house. And, you know, maybe not getting placed with with their aunt or their relative, because, well, they're too connected to mom, and mom is still using, or mom is still doing something else, or this boyfriend isn't leaving, and so not always looking at those relative um, members to be able to place that kiddo back home with, Um, and so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and we're definitely, like, highlighting some of the, I would say, weaknesses of the system, right, but we know that we have to partner with them to get the job done, right, and to better serve the families. We can't, go into our own corners and, and try to figure it out by ourselves, because it's a very complex and layered problem. Um, Audrey, can you speak to some of the progress that has been made in the system? And then I want to hear from all of you, because I know that you all have touched the system prior to or, or since being in the care portal environment. And how does all the things that we're talking about, good, bad, and indifferent, affect your decision to work within the system? Like, How do you reconcile? the difficulties that are happening and and then your own um, convictions about how things should be done and how does that impact
1: your role in the care portal space wow that's a lot (laughs) Okay, so I'll tell you what, I'll start out with kind of the history of child welfare, where we were and where we are. And so much of that has to do with uh, race equity and disproportionality in the system, okay? So initially there wasn't a formal child welfare system, right, it was left up to non-governmental agencies, to private um, agencies and, and church groups really. And uh, African-American children were not even seen as um, in need of protection at some point. They were seen as a labor source, not as children in need of protection. So that tells us a whole lot, doesn't it? And then when the federal government became involved, it was still... Um, just for abuse cases, not for neglect cases, right? But then um, African-American children and uh, Indigenous people also were able to access the services of the system. um, And they quickly became overrepresented in the system. And part of the reason was, you know, at every point, in the system, the disproportionality really grew. So we had mandated reporters, so uh, children of color, families of color were referred to the system more often. they were removed more often, et cetera. And you know, to, to the point that Arlene was just making that the kids didn't go home um, from the system. But it wasn't until the 1960s and 70s that the government that the federal government actually became involved, in child welfare and that's really only 55 60 years ago which isn't which isn't huge in the, in you know the terms of history um, and so over the course of of, of the involvement of the federal government, what happened was we first they first prioritized safety. And so lots of kids were removed because that was the only tool we had, right? To keep the kids safe. And then when so many kids started coming into the system, we started emphasizing permanency. Wait, we have to get these kids home. We have to get them to relatives. We have to get them to adoption. But the money still followed removals, And then adoption, not reunification, not keeping kids at home, not placement with kinship care, right? And then when we, uh, and now we are really seeing, okay, yes, we do need to keep kids safe. But since so many of the kids are coming into care because of unintentional neglect, and some of that's due to poverty, guys, some of it is, you know, it's consequences of poverty. It's consequences of not having resources to provide adequate housing or facilitate adequate housing, to have uh, substance abuse treatment, to have daycare, to have, you know, all those things that middle class America takes for granted because they have the resource to to do them. Finally, child welfare is getting some access to that okay and so we have really moved from a view and we're still moving we're not <laughs> you know this is progress not perfection okay um, from a child's safety due to abuse to a family and child well-being while keeping the child safe all right so some of the things that are have changed and are changing and that were really you um, Emphasizing now in our work with Care Portal in particular, but the whole child welfare system is moving this way, is um, the well-being aspect. Recognizing relatives and kinship caregivers as viable placement options for kids, and then through with Care Portal, so supporting them, making sure they have the resources to take care of the kids. We're moving toward community-based care. Rather than state office run care right, or 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 moving kids outside of their own um, outside of their own communities. We're looking at getting the resources to the families, to the communities, to the relatives, not moving the kids or the families or anybody else to those place, other places to getting them. We're taking a hard look at a race equity. How come? more African Americans and Native Americans are referred to the hotline. How come we have more investigations on them? How come we have more removals? How come they stay and in care longer? How, may, how come you know, they're adopted later? And this is a trend across the whole country, not just one particular state. So we know we have things to look at here in, in terms of how come there's disproportionality. The federal government is starting to fund prevention efforts so that we can actually have some other tools outside of, you know, community resources and care portal and churches, the federal government is getting into the act too. And we're starting to break down silos so that people can really access resources through community mental health services when they're involved with child welfare or, you know, have more access to transportation or food pantries or or whatever is needed to make sure that kids can stay at home. So you know, in my work in child welfare, what I really saw was um, child welfare is not the state or county agency. We can't do that work by ourselves and keep kids safe and keep families whole and ensure their well-being. The child welfare system is everybody's responsibility it's the fam extended families it's the communities it's the churches it's the um nonprofits it's the businesses it's Everybody's responsibility in a community to ensure a child's safety and family well being. And we can't do it alone. And I just love that Care Portal has stepped into that space and is rallying the church and community resources to ensure that all children and families have the resources that are needed. To keep families safe and strong. That's my reason for being in Care Portal.
2: Yeah, I think even from like my seven years working with the state and you know starting in 2012 and then when I left in 2019 like just those seven years there was a lot of changes going um you know switching how they do things and not making it just check boxes and you know making sure that you're going to this court appearance or that you know the family's doing you know a b or c but really looking more like we've talked about already a few times like those strengths and what's going well within the family um and then also like the system and the child welfare, you know, workers allowing their churches in, like that was huge within those seven years that I was there, like making, making it a thing where like, you're fine with this church member coming into the state. And there's always been this like weird separation, you know, of allowing those church members to come in, but letting them come in and help your families and help you as a caseworker, like that is huge. And they are there are so many of our churches and our church responders who want to be able to get into that space and get into this to be able to help out these caseworkers and help their families. So just, you know, from the seven years that I was at Children's Division and when Care Portal started, I was here at Children's Division, um, you know, and just seeing how much of a difference that made and then being on the Care Portal side now, like still seeing how they're opening it so many more eyes um, you know and like churches are being able to touch so many more lives with just the caseworkers and the families too so I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've seen change too
3: um, so one of the well this is this is a really big question um, I'm gonna start from the beginning uh, so reconciling my contrasting views um, and that it's a big question. For a few reasons one be, being a, a, a black female in america is challenging it's challenging and as a mother i am seeing the challenges that my sons face as well and so my own experiences in the world have been compounded by my experiences within child welfare. Um, I have this this I don't know why I have a heart for children, but I just have a heart for the kids. And I'm like, kids are innocent. Leave the kids alone. They didn't do anything. But the things that I've seen happen to to children who look like me, who look like my sons, um, at times have left me when during my work in child welfare it had they ha- at times it has left me feeling like. Um, like a double agent of sorts like okay well I uh, gotta make sure I'm advocating for, for my people over here but I also gotta go over here and do this work so the system can get better and so it's like well whose interest am I serving and um, but the way I reconcile that for myself is always remembering the mantra of youth who have experienced care across the nation and that's nothing about us without us this system while we weren't necessarily part of the uh, folks in the room who had the meeting around what the infrastructure was going to look like, uh, we are definitely raising our voices to make sure that we're in every possible space that touches the child welfare system. And so when I think about um, what my experiences in foster care, and, and I, I I say this everywhere, like out of everything that's happened in my life, domestic violence, sexual abuse, homelessness, going into foster care was the absolute worst experience I I ever had. My entire life so far, it's been the worst. And it was the worst because of the separation from my community, from my siblings, not being able to talk to them. Um, Like there was just, it was so many things that for me, child welfare initially, when I came into this field, I came into it with the mindset of we have to tear it down. We absolutely have to tear this down. We have to dismantle this and destroy it. Um, But to the point that was made earlier, the system is necessary. It is necessary. So how do we make sure that it does not inherently, implicitly, covertly, overtly disenfranchise people that look like me. And for me, that's about making sure that I am a part of the system in ways that are leading to that progressive change, which is what I I love about Care Portal, because it is connecting people in the community with churches that are in their community. And so if we can leverage those those social skills and social connections that that families like me already have in our own communities and connect that to the church and the church uses care portal to help a family maintain their stability maintain whatever it is that, that they need that would just that blows my mind that i am just now hearing about this in 2021 and 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 that it's so new um I just I feel like I just I feel like it's something that it's almost like somebody looked at everything and said, you know, what what we have been doing isn't working. So we have to do something else. And I mean, I, I, I beat my chest on this a lot and I scream it as loud as I can to say, look, we we already know the data, we know the statistics, we know all of this stuff what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do with the information? If we know that a huge chunk of kids who come into foster care are coming from this particular zip code, well, then how do we make sure that that zip code has the resources that they need? We can't just slap a model on top of it. We can't just, you know, put a a new program in place. We have to go into that community. And that's what's so beautiful about Care Portal because it connects the family with people that are in their community, who understand their culture, who understand their language, who understand why they might act the way they act, why it might look like they're giving you the side eye. Really, they're probably just processing a lot of things that they have to deal with in their mind at that moment. And so that for me, it, it knowing that this tool actually exists, it, it it actually revives my soul because I was tired. I was getting very tired constantly beating this drum and now it's like oh okay it's here it has arrived welcome care portal
0: thanks for listening there's always more to the conversation and we invite you to share your thoughts in the comment section don't forget to subscribe and to stay connected